Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another edition of the SC Times Sports Report Podcast. My name is Zach Dwyer, and joining me as he does every week is my co-host Brian Mosey. Brian, we took a week off last week because there just was not time to record, and now we're here um, Wednesday morning again, sunny day, state tournaments on the horizon, and you're heading off to leave me again. It seems to be a consistent theme so far this spring. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but then what that means is that in the fall, while you're gone, That's I'll be true. doing it. <laughs> that is true. So we're kind of, it kind of balances out. But yeah, Brian's going to be heading out to Portland for a couple days. So I'll be, me and Dave will kind of be the ones steering the ship here for um, state track and field, end of section baseball, and kind of keeping you up to date on other stuff. So we're going to have a lot to talk about today. Um, we're mostly just going to kind of fill you in on um, state tournament teams that have already made it some section final games, kind of what their paths were to this point and what you kind of can expect from these next few days. Because if we tried to go through all these section tournaments and all of that, it would have it'd take about two or three hours. So we're going to try to condense it down to the teams that are still alive and still have a chance, um, you know, at state titles. So uh, we're going to start with baseball, I think, because we just got some, we've had some results in the last day or two. And then also um, some teams are going to be playing tomorrow night for um, spots at the state tournament. You know, they've they've both gone undefeated so far. We have Sartell and Albany still alive in their section tournaments. But I think we'll start with Albany um, just because of how dominant they've been going through coming in, you know, as a four seed and trying to figure out, you know, they played really well throughout most of the year, but they'd lost to some of those top seeds. And they've ended up not even playing some of those teams as they've gone through this tournament. So what have you kind of noticed as the Huskies have made their way through, Brian? Yeah, the Section 6A, 6AA has been the most insane tournament bracket I've ever seen. Um, usually you have at least your you know, top one, top two teams that make it through and kind of no problem, no, no worries type of thing. Um, Albany had no trouble in the first round. They won 7-2 to two against Royalton, the number 13 seed. Albany got the four seed. And then they went on and played Annandale, the five seed, won eight to five to reach the um, winner's bracket quarterfinals. It, the expectation was, was that they were probably going to meet up with number one Foley, which has been a tough team that they've faced all season long. Instead, they got the number eight seed Eden Valley Watkins, who beat Foley in the second round, which was a huge upset. Um, Albany was able to win eight to four over Eden Valley Watkins to make it to the semifinal where they played what we were going to expect, the number two seed Pierce. Um, instead, they faced off against the number three seed, Wadena Deer Creek, won that game 7-3, to three, and now they are in the finals, and they're playing Wadena Deer Creek once again um, in the finals. So um, kind of a crazy uh, the last couple of weeks. I mean, honestly, if you look at that bracket, you're like, what is up? Um, but with um, the title – or with the uh, – semifinal game that happened on Monday, Albany just had a really, really good outing. Um, they won 7-3 to three over Wadena Deer Creek. 
Um, Caden Sand had a great game on the mound. He threw five innings, earned the win. Brandon Holm came out and closed out the final two innings for the save. And then Brady Goble had two hits, two RBIs, two runs. Tanner Reese also had a two-run single and two walks. Brandon Holm had a RBI double that was really big, um, was able to get two runs as well. And so now they're one game away from, you know, clinching a spot in the state tournament for a second straight season. They were able to get there last year. Um, and honestly, I mean, they beat Wadena Deer Creek before, so it doesn't mean that they can't do it again. They also have a lot of pitching depth. I mean, they have Brady Goble, who hasn't pitched for a little while. Um, Brandon Holm pitched two innings um, on, on Monday, but, I mean, he'll be available. You also have... Carter Beer, you have a lot of different guys that can, you know, Blake Winkles that can play, get on the mound. I mean, a bunch of different guys that can get on the mound for them. So, honestly, I don't think it's compared to other teams that might be, you know, reaching for their seventh, eighth pitcher to try and help them in this particular game. Um, I mean, Coach Al Amdahl has a lot of different weapons that he can use. Um, on that pitching mound to possibly get that win against Wadena Deer Creek. Yeah, they're sitting in a really nice spot with just, like you said, only having to win one of two, playing a team you just um, beat pretty decently just a couple days ago, and, yeah, not having to waste a ton of pitchers throughout this process since they haven't had to battle their way through the loser's bracket, play a bunch of extra games, um, you know, playing in the area too as well is going to be an advantage. I mean, they kind of have everything going for them in this way, like you said, trying to get to state a second straight year. Last year they got – you know, bounce right away. So I'm sure that's still fresh on some of those players' mind too, want to get back and try to right that wrong. So yeah, a lot going um, for them when they play at the MAC um, tomorrow evening. Um, I believe it's, it's 4 or 4.30 for the first game. 4.30 at Dick Putz Field. And then if they do, if Wadena Deer Creek wins, then they would play a second game basically like 20 minutes after the end of the first game. And if they would um, advance, they'd be playing right back at the MAC next week for um, class 2A state tournament too so definitely something to keep an eye on there but they're sitting in a really great spot and another team sitting in a good spot that we probably didn't expect to just be rolling through the bracket like they are is the Sartell Sabres after moving up to class 4A and having a lot of you know close losses earlier in the year um, kind of found their stride more late in the season but then still going into a tough section um, against you know a couple teams seated higher than them that they'd lost to um, during non-conference play during the regular season. And now they, uh, getting the six seed, they beat the three seed, they beat the two seed, and they beat the one seed already. And now they're sitting with their one game away from a state appearance. It's pretty crazy what they've been up to lately. Especially going up going up a class. I mean, you kind of expect maybe some learning learning opportunity to kind of see what it's like to play in that type of class and maybe, maybe you know, learn this year and kind of adapt to next year. But... Sartell's just been taking it full force, and they beat, like you said, the number three seed Elk River in the opening round, ten to three. Went into the quarterfinals against Rogers, a two seed, and won six to four. And then just last night, they went and beat St. Michael Albertville at St. Michael Albertville, the one seed, um, five to two. Part of it has been the pitching performance. I mean, Sartell doesn't have a ton of pitching depth just because of injuries and kind of unexpected things that happened this season that closed out a couple of the pitchers. But most of the pitchers that have pitched so far this during this section tournament, it's only taken one pitcher. I mean, you had 
just last night, Wesley Johnson pitched a complete game, gave up one run, six hits, and three strikeouts. I mean, really good outing for for a guy like Wesley. And then in the quarterfinals against Rodgers, Jalen Vorpal pitched basically six and one-third innings. He only had to take uh, you know two-thirds of an inning um, from someone else. So, I mean, these pitchers are going deep into the games, which is crucial for them because they need that. Um, and then on the other side, offensively, Kate Lewis has been a beast of a player. Um, he hit two home runs against St. Michael Albertville last night. He's been on a home run tear as of late, especially in the section tournament. Um, and he's just been kind of the reason why they've been getting getting runs on the board, um, along with some really good hits by, you know, some of the guys that lead up to Cade, you know, with Jacob Merrill and, you know, Stephen Brinkerhoff, as well as Blake Howes. All these different guys have been really effective on the um, at the plate so far. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, Sartell's the only main thing that is in question is their pitching depth because unlike softball with baseball, you have to rest a certain amount of days. And so, for instance, Wesley Johnson, I'm sure, is done because he pitched a complete game on Tuesday, and he would need at least three days of rest, which would be Friday. So he won't be pitching at all on Thursday. But, you know, guy, you have a guy like, you know, Tory Lund that he can, I mean, he hasn't pitched for a while, so he could obviously be an effective pitcher for them, um, possibly in that first game to try and seal out the victory right away. Um, but after that, it's kind of, you know, is Vorpal going to, um, you know, come out or is, you know, Alex Wenshu or you know, who else is going to be the kind of the guy that steps up and takes over that second game if it's needed, you know? Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, especially, you know, like you touched on briefly too. Um, they went on the road for all three of these games and took care of business. I mean, the closest game here, you know, there's a couple by, you know, three, four runs, but still to be able to be winning, you know, somewhat handily on the road just time after time has been pretty incredible. So now they are um, in the RD of the championship game. It's going to be tomorrow, um, 4.30 at Cold Spring uh, Baseball Park. If they would lose that first game, they'd play again, like you said, with the Albany game, kind of 20 minutes after, tentatively scheduled for 7 p.m., but, you know, could depend on how that first game goes. Um, so, yeah, so if they also sit in, in a nice spot, um, you know, we'll, we'll see kind of who comes through um, and faces them in that final. It's going to be St. Michael Albertville or Rogers, so the one or the two seed that they've, you know, already seen both of them this, this postseason. So we'll see if that's helpful or, you know, those other teams have learned from what, they did in those games and they can adjust it'll be it'll be cool to see kind of how both teams handle that but yeah I believe I'll be out at that game tomorrow Dave will be over at Albany we're going to kind of tag team that with um Ugon and we'll we'll see if we get uh zero one or two teams to state it'll all depend but um it'll be cool to see kind of how this plays out yeah and like you were saying before if Albany does win their section they'll be playing at Dick Putz Field or at Joe Faber Field at the MAC um next week for the state tournament um, if Sartell does make it to state, they will be playing down in the cities in St. Paul at the CHS field where the St. Paul Saints play. Um, and then if they were to make it further um, to the state championship games, all of those games would be held at Target Field on Friday next week. So a lot of possibilities as we get closer and closer, but honestly both Sartell and Albany look really good. Um, they're in great position to possibly take take home a uh, section title once again um and it would be 
kind of fun to see, you know, two teams making it to state for a second straight season. You know, I, I, I don't think that usually happens a ton in, in certain areas. So be fun to see uh, them be able to get out there and um, get out to st- state once again. Yeah, I know. And last year even had had three, but to, especially for teams to repeat too um, would be really cool. Like you said, too, it's Sartell jumping up a class. I don't think that was on many people's radar that they'd be able to pull that off. And now they're one game away. So we'll see what happens there. A lot to still um, play out. But on the softball front, we know a bit more. We already have uh, two games that we were at last week where we saw section champions, and they'll begin their state tournament. Uh, journey's already tomorrow, too, down, uh, down in North Mankato. But we'll talk about both of those games. I think we'll start with Cathedral since that was a lot closer of kind of a series and um, a final game even, too. Um, Cathedral came into the section tournament. You know, they hadn't lost in since their season opener. They had won 23 straight games and their lead-up to the section final, also beating Pequot Lakes, who they faced um, in two games in the section final, and were kind of riding really high, but then they lost that first game that I was at in the section final. They played over in Waite Park. They lost 8-7 to seven, um, to Pequot Lakes. They came back and even had a chance, um, had a runner on third base, down one run in, um, in that game one couldn't get them home. So they go to a game two, and you're not really sure how they're going to adjust just because of you haven't tasted a loss in about a month and a half, and we'll see what happens. But you you came over after your section final game to, to watch this game too as well. Um, and Cathedral, they took it in stride. They ended up winning 11-2 to in that winner-take-all game um, and clinched their first state appearance in 36 years, which is is pretty wild. So to do that, their only other state appearance was in 77, so this is their first since 86. A lot lot has changed since then, but it was cool to see them have that moment. We got to see the celebration, everything. You could tell just how much it meant for them to to put that kind of streak to bed. Absolutely. No, I mean, a lot of fun to watch, and I know for me it was like, well, I either write my Ricori story at home or I go over to the game and watch the game and just see how it unfolds and Glad I was able to get over there because it was a fun game to watch and um, yeah they're they're going to be playing next or this upcoming Friday um, well Thursday and Friday I guess um, they take on St Cloud Cathedral got the five seed they'll be taking on the four seed Maple Lake starting at 9 a.m. on Thursday all of these games will be played in North Mankato at Caswell Park really big complex with a lot of softball fields so kind of fits perfectly for what they need. Um, but the winner of that matchup between Cathedral and Maple Lake, they'll play the winner of number one Proctor and the random draw of Pipestone area. Um, Proctor being the number one seed obviously is the favorite coming into the um, coming into this particular state tournament. They are 22 and one overall this season. Um, they look really good. Cathedral's 24 and two. So I mean, I I guess when it comes to this point, it's not about records anymore. It's kind of more about you know who you got on the mound and what your offense kind of looks like and whether or not you're in position to possibly win this. Um, but, I mean, definitely a good matchup to start off with, with Maple Lake and Cathedral being the 4-5 seeds. That's always a fun one to kind of see right away. Um, and then, obviously, if they keep winning, they keep playing in the in the winner's bracket. Um, if they lose, they go to the consolation bracket and play there. But um, be interested to kind of see how everything unfolds Thursday and Friday. Yeah, and they, they enter with, you know, playing really good softball with you have Ella Voigt, who's been just dominant all year long. You wrote about her. We've talked about her here a bit, but she threw 225 pitches in the two games um, on that Thursday, which is insane. And then in game two, she only allowed one earned run, um, five strikeouts, and walked one batter after 
all of those pitches to stay, to maintain that, stay that consistent. That's going to be so key to start tomorrow. And if you win, you have to play again in a couple hours. Um, so they're going to be pretty used to that, having to experience that. Probably good to get a loss out of the way too, just to you know overcome some adversity late in the season, going to state with not thinking really about that winning streak. So um, and they were able to pull it off too with. You know, they had multiple eighth graders that had two hit games um, that stepped up really huge. They have a really strong senior class, but to have it um, also be the eighth graders that came up in those big moments in that game too, I think that's cool to see not only for the future, but they can kind of get their bats going throughout the entire lineup. So if they're playing like that, like they did in that game too, they're going to be um, a really dangerous team to play. So that's in the Class 2A state tournament. And then in Class 3A, you were out to see Ricori. Uh, play Little Falls in that section final game. And by the time I even saw the first score update, it was already like 15 to nothing. I mean, this just seemed like a wild game that you and Dave were at. Yeah, I mean, going into the game, um, talking to the head coach, Derek Sauer, um, he even said, he's like, they with with Little Falls, you have to, one, one of their pitchers throws a lot slower than most pitchers, um, solely because that's what she's good at, is really slowing down the pitch getting hitters confused and then being able to throw in a pretty fast um, fastball. So I, the main, the main thing for that was, you know, trying to get that slow pitching down. And so Ricori went to the batting cages an hour, hour and a half before the game. And they just hit the pitching machine with like 30, 40 mile per hour pitches and just kept trying to hit those, hit those. And it worked out in their favor. Um, they played little falls earlier in the season. Um, it was a close game, six to nothing, but, the four of the runs were scored in the last inning, so um, it was pretty close for most of the game. And this time around, it wasn't close. Um, I mean, they pretty much hit it right off the bat. Madison Terrace had a home run. Um, Brooklyn Hoffer had a home run, and all of a sudden you blinked, and they were up fifteen to nothing after two innings. And you're like, "What? What just happened?" Well, Little Falls came back. They were able to score six runs in the third inning. But then Ricori was able to come back again um, and score another 10 runs, and they won 25 to six overall that game. Um, and so you don't normally see 26 to five as a final in, in a section title game, um, but that's just what Ricori is. I mean, Ricori can get the bats going whenever they need to get going. And um, Shelby Prom, the their senior pitcher, she was phenomenal. She's been phenomenal all season. She averages like 10 strikeouts a game, and she was. Lights out. I mean, besides that one inning, she was, I mean, I think she struck out probably four or five batters in the first two innings. And, I mean, she was just dominant. And so, um, yeah, I mean, overall, a really good game for them. Definitely gets their confidence going, knowing that they can hit off of some really big, you know, big teams and such things like that. They do not have an easy task heading into the state tournament. Um, they will be playing number one Winona, um, which – they have been phenomenal all season. Um, they they basically have beaten up on every team that you can think of, um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough task. They're twenty one and one this season. Winona is, and I know Ricori is kind of a little bit over five hundred now. They're fourteen and eight, so I think it, it'll be a it'll be an interesting uh, game to see. You know how they step up because I mean, if you can beat Winona in the first round, I mean, you can beat any team. You know, so um, yeah. So I I'm interested to see how that goes. Um, they also will be playing on Thursday morning, so um, that will be 
that will be happening um, over at Castle Park once again. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to see kind of how everything unfolds. Yeah, so there's a lot to keep track of there. We'll keep you updated at sctimes.com on how both of those teams do tomorrow um, and how they kind of progress through the state tournament bracket. But that'll about do it for the first part of the show today. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk some state uh, track and field, state golf, and also state tennis to wrap up the show today. So we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the SC Times Sports Report podcast. Uh, like we mentioned, we have a lot more state tournaments coming up in the next few days here. Um, which one do you think we should start with, Brian? Well, we were over at track and field for a few different uh, days, and so might be good to kind of go through. It seems like quite a bit of names on that list for both A, AA, and AAA. So um, going to be a busy weekend in St. Michael Albertville over the next uh, three days or so. Yeah, there'll be... A lot going on. The state track meet starts, like you said, at St. Michael again this year. Um, it's going to be Class 3A and 1A prelims on uh, Thursday. On Friday is the Class 2A prelims and the Class A finals. And then on Saturday is Class 2A and 3A finals. So um, we have I have a story I'm working on right now. It'll probably be up by the time you listen to this podcast um, about all the different qualifiers, what times they're competing, what events, some of their seeds, um, all that kind of stuff to get you ready for it. But we had a total of 23 individuals um, and then five relay teams. And then some of those individuals are also going in multiple events. So, yeah, over, spread out through the three classes. So, like you said, yeah, there's going to be um, a lot to keep an eye on. Some of the high points, I would say, to look out for um, of some people that are kind of seated really high or expect to possibly win a state title. Um, starting in Class A, Cathedral has the most people that qualified. And um, Hope Schuler, their sprinter, is someone to definitely look out for. She won the 100, the 200, and the 4x2 um, at the section meet at St. John's last Wednesday that we were both at. Um, and she broke the, her own, she broke the school record. She broke the old section record, two in the 100. And then I think she also had her fastest 200 of the year um, as well. And then ran the anchor leg and chased um, first place down to win that event too in Sun Cathedral of the State. So she had a great meet. Um, she's ranked first in that 100 actually and fourth in the 200. Um, and then the that four by two team I just mentioned is also seated third. So she has a chance for kind of podiums and all of those, and even possibly some state titles, depending how well her day goes. So that's one to look out for. The other one I would say in class a, um, is the cathedral boys four by 800 relay team. They're seated second based off their section times, but, um, they had a runner fill in two to get that time. So they weren't kind of at their fastest. So when, their actual fastest time is like 10 or 15 seconds faster this year than what they ran at section. So if they run to that potential that they ran at the um, Hamlin elite meet earlier this year, I think they easily could, could take home a state title too. And that'll be, um, I believe the first event um, on finals day for them on Friday. So um, that evening session. So that's definitely one to, to keep an eye out for too. Definitely. And I know for double a or for triple a, the only person I believe is um, Logan Clark. He's uh, going to be doing the hurdles um, for Sartell. Not a whole lot of AAA teams in our area, just Sartell um, kind of being the one lone team. Um, but 
in double A, plenty of familiar faces. Uh, Cecilia Woods is kind of the one that stands out the most with just what she was able to do last year. Um, but also some some familiar faces from Albany um, with Olivia Gable and um, different people like that. Maybe just kind of go through the double A and what highlights you know you could we could possibly see at the end of Saturday. Yeah, with kind of how um, the different you know classes have shaken up this year with moving to three classes. We have. Um, five teams in Class 2A, and a lot sent a lot of um, experienced athletes that have done it before. Like you said, probably starting with Olivia Gable, she's ranked first in the two-mile, um, and even though she finished third in her section in the mile, she's fourth overall in the state for her class. That just shows how strong that Section 8 2A um, field was in the mile for her to qualify. Um, only the top two spots usually qualify, but her time was so good that she also made the state standard. So She'll definitely be someone to watch in both of those races for a chance to win. Last year, she, um, I believe, was fourth in the mile two. She was, you know, second in cross country earlier this year. So she's been right on the cusp of a state title, and this could be um, maybe the first time it happens for her. And then CeCe Woods, like you mentioned, yeah, she's ranked second in 100 hurdles and 300 hurdles. And I don't think either, I know the 100 hurdles wasn't her fastest time of the year, too. She has even better times. Um, so she's definitely a contender, both those. And she also qualified really well in the 200 she's ranked eighth in the 200 too so she'll be doing three different running events um as someone to watch and then at, for you know doing a lot of events over these two days apollo's noel hackenmuller will be someone to watch she's made it in um 100 hurdles 300 hurdles long jump and triple jump um and i believe in one of the jumps she's ranked kind of third or fourth so she has a good shot there too she'll be competing in a ton of events those two days um a couple other just quick notes uh Tech, they sent their boys 4 by 400 meter relay. That's the first relay team that they've sent in. Uh, the boys team has sent since 1996. So, yeah, so it's been 26 years since they sent any relay team to state. Um, it was actually a 4 by 4 team as well back then. They finished fifth that season. So they're going to see if they can try to recapture any um, magic there. They finished second at uh, sections in the final event of the meet to, to qualify. So that was cool to see for them. To send some more people, Tech has a bunch in the field. Um, they have John Kayser in the shot put, Josh Russell in uh, the discus, and then Garrison Murray's in the high jump and triple jump. Definitely look out for him in the high jump. I think his mark, winning market sections was six foot three inches, um, and that was only one inch, I believe, off the top seed t- uh, seed height. So if he kind of has his best career day, I think he's jumped six three once or twice this year. So if he's able to do that, even you know just have that little bit more, he has a chance to be. Um, a potential state champ too. So there's a lot of other names too to keep an eye on. Sock Rabbits has some qualifiers um, and then some of the others that we already mentioned. So definitely check out the story at sctimes.com. It'll have, like I said, all the individual qualifiers, relay teams, when they race, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So definitely uh, check that out because it's we're gonna um, not going to be there for the, the Class A and 3A prelims on Thursday, but Dave and I will both be there Friday. Um, when the Class A finals and the Class 2A prelims are, and then I'll be there myself for um, Class 2A and 3A finals on uh, Saturday. So a lot of track and field coverage to to wrap up here this week. Absolutely. I know there's a lot of track and field going on and plenty of really talented athletes going on over there. So um, make sure to check out SC Times for all the updates by Zach uh, just because, um, yeah, there's going to be plenty of updates over the, the next three days or so. But um, kind of moving into the next sport um, that just actually happened over the last few days um, is boys and girls golf. Um, I was over at Blackberry Ridge 
in Sartell for the Section 6-2A um, golf, boys and girls golf section tournament. Um, the first day was on Monday, second day was on Tuesday. Both Albany and Cathedral both made it to day two as a team for boys and girls. So um, both of them were trying to kind of chip at the lead a little bit. Um, Pequot Lakes was kind of the top contender team, and uh, they Pequot Lakes was able to hold on to a lead in both genders, so they were able to make it as a team. Cathedral lost by one stroke um, to Pequot Lakes in the boys' side, um, a really close um, ending, and unfortunately Pequot Lakes hit a really nice birdie putt on the 17th hole, and um, that kind of sealed the deal a little bit more um, for, for them. But on basically how it works is the top team makes it as a team, and then after that, the top five individuals that were not on that team make it to state. And so um, there were four Albany golfers and one Cathedral golfer that punched their tickets to state um, yesterday. You had on the girls' side, Abby Thielen and Caitlin Lahr. Um, they both were able to make it. Abby Thielen tied for the uh, championship or the section title for individuals. Um, and Caitlin Lahr was just right behind her. I believe she finished sixth overall. Um, and so um, some really good performances by those two. And then on the guy side, um, Albany... Um, Albany's Zach Cruiser and 7th grader Blake Silberneck. Um, they both will be joining the Huskies um, for that particular state tournament. And then Cathedral's Leo, War Leo Warshe, um, he will be heading out there as well. So um, some really good performances by those two teams. Um, definitely some names to watch as you get ready for next week. They will be playing in Section um, or in Class 2A state tournament over at Ridges at Sand Creek in Jordan. Um, that will take place. Their practice round is Monday. They start up on Tuesday, and then they will play on Wednesday for the second day. So um, be kind of interesting to see kind of how, how all of them um, end up. And then the last one um, is in Class 3A. Um, Sartell boys, they were able to, they finished, Tied for fourth um, as a team, so they did not advance as a team to state. But um, Sartell's Carson Andel, he will be heading there as an individual as he placed second in the section um, with a total score of 153 over two days. So um, he'll be over at Bunker Hills in Coon Rapids. Um, and the same type of schedule with Monday being a practice round and Tuesday and Wednesday being the first and second days of the state tournament. Yeah, so a lot that we'll be keeping track on next week. Um with those events, like Brian said, with all those kind of starting up on Tuesday, I know you'll be back from Portland by then, so you're um, possibly we'll see how everything goes, but might be down there. And if not, we'll definitely be um, updating people on how those uh, athletes are doing throughout their, their first and second rounds. And then um, the other state tournament happening this week is boys tennis. Um, there was only one individual from our schools that made it, it was St. Cloud's Michael Plumbon um, in the Class 2A singles tournament. He's going to begin already tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., bright and early down there um, at um, the University of Minnesota at the Baseline Center there on campus. Um, he's going to be taking on Lakeville South's Jackson Meyer in the first round. If he would win that match, he'd move on to the state quarterfinals where he possibly could face um, the three seed, depending on how that first match goes. So um, we'll kind of see he's, there, he's unseated and facing an unseated 
other player in the first round. So we'll see kind of how Michael does, how he progresses through that. And we'll also have updates about that on the website. Um, I think, Brian, what's left? Lacrosse, that probably all? Yeah, I mean, basically the only team that was left um, last night because both Ricori teams as well as both St. Cloud teams lost right away in um, in, in the section tournament. But um, the Sartell, girl, Sartell Sock Rapids girls team also lost right away. But the Sartell Sock Rapids boys team was able to get a couple nice wins, um, and they advanced to the quarterfinals last night. They took on number one St. Michael Albertville and lost 11-6, to close game, um, as the number five Storm and Sabres were eliminated from section tournaments. So um, all of the boys and girls lacrosse teams have been eliminated, so um, there will be no more um, lacrosse this season for the local area at least. Yeah, for them to, as the five seed, they went on the road, beat Providence in the quarterfinals to advance, um, you know, to the semifinals and give the number one seed a good game. I think that um, if you're a fan of that program, I think that definitely is something you can build upon and, you know, a really nice um, kind of stepping stone, possible learning piece going forward to to try to compete further in that section. But besides that, Brian, anything else you want to let the people know that we should talk about before we wrap up today? No, just kind of give you a little bit of an idea for schedule um section title games for baseball will happen tomorrow <clears throat> zach and dave will be kind of in charge of those um state softball will be happening thursday and friday over in mankato um then you have tennis boys tennis will be happening thursday and friday as well down in the cities at the baseline center um track and field will be happening thursday friday and saturday over at st michael albertville and then when we return back, on um, when I get back from Portland on Tuesday and Wednesday, you'll have boys and girls golf for state, as well as the uh, opening rounds for baseball if Albany or Sartell were to advance to the state tournament. So plenty of stuff coming up as the week continues. Um, we'll see how things kind of shape up next week to determine if we're going to do a podcast on Wednesday or later on in the week. Um, after that, we'll probably be working on all metros and such for the spring season. So um, you'll still hear from us and such. And then usually when the summertime hits, we start kind of focusing on amateur baseball and different local sports going on around the area. So um, we'll definitely keep you posted as we get closer. But right now, kind of focused in on the section and state tournaments um, as we wrap up those over the next week or so. Yeah, so I'd say next week. Possibly Wednesday, depending on how many teams we have left, either in um, you know baseball, golf, depending. It might end up being Thursday, so we can kind of recap everything that happened throughout this busy weekend and then also the, the start of next week. So um, kind of TBD on that, but we will definitely be podcasting sometime um, middle next week, Wednesday or Thursday, to let you know kind of all these state tournaments went. But I think otherwise that will about wrap it up for today. So once again, thank you for tuning in to the SC Times Sports Report podcast, and we will see you again next time.